Thanks a lot for listening to the Make Things Better podcast. In this episode, we had a chat with user researcher Simon Scott. We discussed how user research has changed, how and if a business should use user research, learning psychology as a user researcher, dealing with difficulties in user research, and much, much more. So thanks a lot for listening, and we really do hope you enjoy today's podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 18 of the Make Things Better podcast. Today, I have Simon Scott on the show, and we're going to talk a bit about user research. So thanks for coming on, Simon. How are you doing today? I'm all right, thanks. It's a nice sunny March day, so... It's quite nice for a change after all the storms and the rain and whatnot. I know, it is nice. I said something stupid last time a guest said that to me though, because I was like, yeah, it's amazing. I've been able to go out in just a (laughs) t-shirt. And then I I made a big thing out of it. Like I was wearing nothing else, honestly, just a t-shirt. And then I watched it back and I was like, wait, hang on. I wasn't wearing just a (laughs) t-shirt. Yeah, well, I mean, it's quite warm, so. (laughs) It's quite warm, but not that warm. (laughs) But no, um, so yeah. Um, I'm glad I want to put trousers on today. <laughs> I know. Not that everyone else can see, of course. This is like the weirdest start to a podcast ever. <laughs> First three seconds in, one of my music naked. No, but um, so yeah, cheers for coming on. Do you want to uh, start off by telling us a little bit about your background and how you got into user research? Yeah, that's, that, that's I guess, a good place to start. So, um, where do I start? So, uh, yeah. So I've always had an interest in sort of design and um, uh, the process of design. Uh, I went to university, um, University of Lincoln, and I did a furniture course, so I did furniture design and, and making. That was my interest at the time. So um, uh, that's kind of where that cemented my view of like, oh, okay, I understand the process, you know, the parts of that that are kind of research in, uh, research parts in, in the design process. So, you know, it's very similar to the, the tech world, which I'll bring it back to in a minute, but we've got, you know, parts of the process which involve thinking about problem and ideating on the problem, thinking about, um, you know, researching the situation, prototyping, and then sort of, I guess, perhaps coming up with something that's final. Um, but that is very much, you know, extrapolating that out, that is very much the process that we use in, in the sort of digital realm, if you want to call it that. Um, so uh, that kind of, I came out of university and, and, you know, with that in mind, there wasn't, there wasn't any jobs really for, for furniture designers, you know, the, it's something that um, a lot of people <laughs> tend to do, they go to uni and they do something and they come out and do something completely different. Um, I did, but... I've always had a really interest in technology, so um, so that's where I kind of moved into tech. I uh, I was able to sort of demonstrate my skills doing sort of web design and, and things like that, which is obviously linking us up to to what we're going to be talking about in a minute. Um, and I uh, I kind of progressed from there. I managed to get a job somewhere. Someone took a risk on me, and I was quite happy about that. Um, and then just as I've moved through um, tech and design jobs, um, I've sort of realised that there was something kind of missing um, and there's a part of the process that wasn't being sort of 
um, reference as much as it could and that's that's the research part and so that's why I wanted to kind of bring some of that into what I was doing and, and this was at the time when <clears throat> you really had to struggle to get um, clients to engage with something like that because uh, it's not you don't have like a tangible outcome a lot of the time it's just kind of knowledge and and what you do with that knowledge is up to you but um, you know you get clients feel like they feel like oh they, they they know their they know their customers very well so you know they know they know the situation which, which you know is perhaps the case but do they know them in the way that they want to apply something in, in you know in, well that's, I'm, I'm talking about tech but in any situation you know how well do they actually know them in the context that they Live. How well do they know their stories and, and what they're ha having to do, what they're having to deal with, what the problems are. Um, so yeah, so I just kind of, it was one of them where as I moved from job to job and there was a lot of um, companies were starting to recognise this, you know, in this industry. But as I moved from job to job, I tried to kind of put a bit more effort into the research and try and sneak it in where, where possible. Um, I was lucky enough to join a company early stages where I was able to sort of set set up the design and research um, process, if you want. And so that was the point when I was realizing, recognizing that I really enjoyed the research part, and that's and that's where um, you know it was clearer to me how important it was. So in the last sort of twenty years or so since you came out of uni. Um, has sort of user research become more common and more of a part of the whole process of designing products and digital websites? Yeah, so def definitely that's the case. The attitudes have become a bit more like pro-user research. Um, perhaps in some circumstances it, it gets taken too far, but I'll, I'll come to that in a moment. So, um, yeah, so since the sort of eve of GDS and how that sort of manifested itself, you know, government digital service, um, it's become a bit of a poster child for the way of doing stuff in digital. Um, and, you know, that's great because it, it, it means that, uh, you know, or com even private companies are kind of looking at that in that direction and going, oh, maybe we should be doing something different, you know, to, to make things accessible and to make things... Um, right for the situation for the context so um yeah the attitudes have definitely shifted towards a, a more pro but by that same token you get you get the other side of the coin which is people just use it to justify everything and and a lot of the time that's not necessary you know you might have existing research or you know other ways to look at stuff um and so you can get people just kind of almost using it and selling it into organizations that don't necessarily need it. Just on that note then, how do you know as a business whether you need to conduct user research or not? It's a good question and it's it's something that you you can't really quantify, you know, like there's not there's no magic number of how many people you should speak to. It's all about confidence. So um how confident you feel with something and you know, there's as research isn't just one stage you can research all, all the way through so you can start to go out and do interviews and ask questions like this I mean it's weird being on the other side <laughs> yeah. but um, you can go out and ask questions and understand somebody's world and then you can kind of take your knowledge 
and apply that in some way. And then uh, if you um, if you have something like a product or a service that you need to test, you can take that and test that with people. So you're kind of iterating on, on that and, and that's building that confidence about whether this thing or product service, whatever, is, is right for that audience and you get to see some of those different threads of issues or, or whatever as, as it develops. That's probably the, the most appropriate way to do it. But it's, I think it's all about the confidence, how confident you are with something or how confident an organisation is with something. Um, and I guess it, it comes back to that point about, um, you know, that some people just thinking, oh, well, we know our audience very well. And, and that might be the case, but that is an assumption. And so they should be testing that assumption, you know, like checking their confidence. That's the first, the first point, you know, the first step. Yeah, and I suppose people and people's audiences are going to change over time as well. So even if like a business thinks, yeah, I know my exactly, audience. Exactly, yeah, and if they're marketing to a new sector or whatever, yeah, that's all um, stuff that needs to be considered, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so in that process then, um, how do you go about actually conducting user research? It's a bit of a broad question. That it is a very broad question. So it depends on what you, like, your stance like if you're sort of looking in a very sort of um say you're early on in your process you're thinking you might need to, to um come up with a product or service that, that solves a problem so say you've got a problem you want to just test the the boundaries of that problem and understand who it affects and things like that that's very much like a um like a convergent way of you, you sort of have to have a convergent stance at that point and you know you, you might have assumptions but you need to understand if they're right and understand where they fit in with your audience and, and things like that so you might start off by doing sort of interviews like this um there's other techniques and stuff like that as well you can you can use but um and surveys is a good one just to kind of get a, a rough feel of, um if you can write the questions you know like decent questions um, I'm not going to get into the details of writing surveys now because that's a whole different... <laughs> that like could be a whole, whole podcast, couldn't yeah, it? Yeah, it could be, yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, so, yeah, I think that's probably where you start. Um, Do you spend a lot of time talking to people then and conducting interviews? Yeah, that's, I think that's probably the majority of it. And I mean, even when you're like in your like sort of latter stage and you're looking more... Um, you're looking more sort of diversion and kind of thinking about um, uh, how you might solve some of the problems. Uh, you're still asking questions, you know, you're still posing scenarios and things like that, which um, uh, which kind of get you to a point, right? Um, a lot of the time, when you're sort of discovering things and, and and whatnot you'll you'll be asking questions but you know you in my opinion you've got to really think about the questions you want to ask because if you don't spend a lot of time writing the questions and uh, thinking about them and writing them you're not going to get out the information that you need so um this preparation is a big part of it it is a big part of it yeah because i know you're prepared <laughs> yes, uh, yeah. come on here if you don't know, <laughs> Um, yeah, so I think, 
I think that's prob that is the key, um, the preparation part, and and there's a lot to that as well. That is kind of outside housekeeping stuff, you know, in our um, discipline, if you want to call it that. Uh, you've got to consider like privacy, um, you know, data protection and stuff like mm. that. And you've got to respect people's time, um, and I think that's um, that's all kind of comes down to. Um, how you ask the questions and, and the the the, um, the kind of environment you create to to get the the answers out that you need. Um, so is that like creating the right context? I've heard this word like contextual. So, yeah, yeah, recently. yeah. So it's not necessarily about creating the context, but earning the trust of the person. You just have the participation. Ah, okay. You, if, if you want somebody, a participant, to trust you, um, you know, you need to. Uh, show them respect I mean the most important question you can ask in an interview is how are you mm. because that starts that, that shows that you care it, you've got that connection um, and and you know you need a bit of that small talk to kind of um, to make them feel comfortable I'm so glad I asked now <laughs> even in this chat <laughs> if I didn't ask I'd feel well awkward <laughs> yeah so I think um, yeah exactly the, 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 the thing is it's it's I think that's probably more important, the, the most important thing, not, not getting your answers out. It's, the, it's making them feel comfortable because you can always go back to somebody if you don't feel like you've got, if you've built that rapport, um, you know, they'll be honest with you and, and trust you. And that's what you need in the, you know, when you're asking someone's time, that's where you, where you get the most value because people start to tell you the deepest, darkest secrets, maybe not, you know, <laughs> you know, where they've hid the body, but you know, like, um, in terms of a context, so like if you're saying, oh, we're asking you about this product or service or thing that you use or situation, mm. you know, they'll, they'll be more honest with you. Um, and that's what you need, you know, that's, that's, that, that's gives you the, the, the ultimate value because you, you've unlocked something there that nobody else would have or, or that an organisation, if they didn't go and do these interviews, they wouldn't necessarily have had those. Yeah, yeah, I can definitely imagine that because everyone's got their own biases and there's going to be different reasons for people to not share certain things. So for me, for example, if someone was asking me questions about a product and I didn't feel fully comfortable and trusting of them, I'd be very reluctant to tell them the bad parts. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, there's another thing about, you know, people don't always say what they mean or mean what they say. So, yeah. <laughs> so there's a, but there's other ways you can, you can deal with that, you know, um, it, it helps if you know a bit about the sort of the psyche and the psychology of, of that because you can unlock certain things. Yeah, so obviously you're talking to a lot of people and conducting a lot of uh, sort of interviews and asking them questions. What have you learned about human behaviour and psychology? Uh, so there are things that you can do to kind of... So what I've learned is like what I said about, you know, the... People don't <laughs> don't say what they mean. Um, there are things that you can do to kind of not trick people, but like um, tease it out. Uh, so things like um, you know, like if if I was to, I'll give you a, an anecdote or scenario. So if I was to sort of say to you, um, you know, are you open to change? What's your answer going to be? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone's going to answer yes. There's yeah. no. I don't think there's anyone who's going to say no because everyone likes to think 
for themselves as, oh yeah, I'm open to new things and I'm open to change and I'm really adaptive, um, adaptable, adaptive, you know what I mean. Um, but that's not telling me anything, you know what I mean? I, really, I, I, don't want to, I don't want to know what you think about what you would say. I want to know what you think or, what, or how you would feel in a situation. So I might give you a scenario and say, if I was to, you know, do something that would change how you behave or change what you do, and I'd ask you, like, how you feel about that. So I'm not asking you whether you're open to change or I'm, I'm ascertaining that from, mm. from asking you a series of other questions, you know, to get there myself. Um, and so that, that's one of the ways you can kind of use a bit of psychology to kind of get around that. I think the other thing is, as well as, and this is a tip, by the way, <laughs> um, don't go in with the big questions straight away because, again, this comes back to the trust thing. You kind of need to take stepping stones and, and take people there. But also it helps to kind of, if you know a bit about the mental models, like the mental state people are in and whatnot, you can ask a series of questions to kind of get them there so that when you want to sort of land that big question, they're in that frame of mind, you know what I mean? They, they, they're, they're, they're back in that place. Um, and so they can kind of um, unlock, you can unlock that thinking. And, 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 and again, like, you know, the trust thing and um, the honesty thing, it comes, comes all along with that. So Have you ever had any situations where people are sort of unwilling to share as much as you'd want them to, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. You do get it, yeah. But you've got to just not push because people shut down. Um, you know, you can t kind of detect it sometimes. Do you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. you, you can kind of, you can see from like their emotions on their face if, you know, if you're, if you're like this or, I mean, even online, like you, if they've got the camera on, sometimes that's not the case. So you, it's harder to pick up, but facial expressions are really <laughs> because you know you get those, those twitches and the frowns and whatnot. If if you're sort of touching on a nerve a little bit, um, uh, it's it, yeah, it's one of those things where you've just got to tread carefully, and and you might have to go around in a loop. You know, if you think you've built that trust to a certain level, and and, and you're recognizing, oh, hang on, they're, they're a bit reluctant. They haven't. You might have to sort of try something else and get there some other way. So there's a bit of thinking on your feet, but um, yeah, it, it definitely happens. You know, yeah. it's, it's it's if they don't know you right a lot of the time. So the only introduction you might have had is through email. So they've got no reason to trust you. They've got no reason to tell you what they think, and and sometimes you need to respond to that and respect that and just kind of um, it comes back to the privacy thing as well um, you know you can write any documents and contracts and whatever about privacy but at the end of the day this is somebody I mean some you might have some quite sensitive things that you're talking mm. about because it depends on the, the project right but um, you're, you're yeah you, you're sort of Looking in the looking them in the eye and sometimes asking them quite intimate things about mm. like what they think about certain things or, and and you know there's a whole other thing about, um, people think about oh I might lose my job if I say this and things like that so you've got to kind of respect that and remind them that you're not gonna you know say everything's anonymous and things like that so, um, on that point of sensitivity, 
do you think people who, let's say I've got like a, a personal problem, um, whatever it may be, do you think, and I'm like, you know, not too happy about the situation, do you think I'd be the right person to ask someone else who has the same problem or not? If, so do you, do you mean in kind of like a, you might project your problem onto them or? or so like, like if a, there's a, a sensitive, yeah, if there's a sensitive topic and I need, but I need to, as part of my job or whatever, mm. I need to conduct user research in that sensitive topic, but that topic's sensitive to me as well. Do you think that person should still go ahead or not? It's tricky. Yes, it, it depends, depends on, on this, yeah, yeah, it, it depends, depends on the scenario. Yeah. But um, the, th the thing around that is, uh, you know, um, uh, there's certain situations where you kind of feel like it might be going that way and you kind of have to step out of it. Um, you know, I've got kids and it might not seem relevant to this, but you know, I've, I've spoken to um, uh, probation officers before who are um, uh, experts in sort of uh, sexual offences and stuff like that. And, you know, they, they speak to child sex offenders and obviously I'm once removed from them. But, yeah. um, you know, some of the things they, they tell you about and the situations they're in, it, it's still, it, it's like, oh, it hits you harder mm. because, because I've, I can relate to it a bit more. Um, and so, you know, although it's not quite the same thing, there is a bit of that, like, oof, I, I can imagine. I've got an yeah. opinion on that. And, and so, yeah, it's very hard. You have to sort of, um, separate yourself from things like that but um, if you feel uncomfortable doing it then yeah it's, I guess you shouldn't do it it's, there's always another person that can yeah. do it um, or you ask different things you know um, move the topics away and it's the same from, from the other, other way around if, some, if somebody's um, not comfortable with something you're asking you know you've got to respect that yeah absolutely so how do you remove your own biases as well when interpreting what someone is saying? Because yeah, it's, it, yeah. it's something. I think the the best way to do it is think about all the things that could introduce bias to start with. And right. Be conscious of it, and recognize when it's happening. Um, I mean, you can introduce bias into research just by speaking to. Um, people with a certain in a certain age bracket more than another age bracket for mm. example um, because you're sort of biasing your research into that older age bracket say um, but you know being conscious of that is the is the main point that's how you kind of have to mitigate that because obviously you'll try and balance it out but it's it sometimes you don't get that luxury like if you've got um, if you're working quite quickly or you've got a sort of uh, you know say if you've got a participation panel or um, somebody's going out and recruiting for you <coughs> excuse me they might not uh, they might not be able to get access to, to a balanced gamut of people so they might have to sort of you might have to rely on that um, what you get get when mm. given kind of thing um, and so in that respect, uh, you just have to be conscious of it and, and be mindful that, okay, when I'm, when I'm looking for patterns 
which is, you know, that's what the analysis part is about. It's about looking for patterns and, and trends and stuff. Um, when I'm looking for that, that stuff, is that going to affect anything? You know, is the is the fact that I've only got, you know, seventy percent of this age bracket and thirty percent of this age bracket, is that going to affect uh, my analysis? Yeah. So. Yeah. So my final question for you uh, is a bit more abstract, and you can interpret it however you like. What I knew can, this was coming. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what can people do to make things better? Um, right. So what I'd say, and this is, I guess this is a practical, because I know you, this is the, the big question you ask at the end of all of these. And so I've been thinking about it quite a lot. And I know I'm probably cheating a bit. Um, but I think in a more practical, if I answer in a more practical way, I think just get out and do research. Um, do more, do what you can, because, um, and I know it's very on brand, <laughs> but I think it's important, especially if you aren't, if you can't get, you can't afford to do it, you know, that's probably the most important time to do it. Um, can't afford to do what? To, you know, to pay someone to go do research, right. or to, you, you don't have the, um, the resources mm. um, to do it. Um, it's probably the most important time to do it. And, and anyone can do it because, um, uh, you know, anyone can ask questions. Um, obviously, it, it takes a bit of skill and um, uh, practice to kind of get good at writing questions in, in a certain way that give you certain answers. And like all the stuff we discussed earlier about getting to a certain point and taking the participant on the journey with you to, to get your answers. Um, but you know you, anyone can ask questions we, we're taught to do it from very young age you know when we're asking for bits of fruit or whatever as a toddler kind of thing you know say please um, and so I think getting out and doing doing research and asking those questions and, and kind of building your confidence in an area kind of that can make things better because you get to know um get to know people uh, you get to know and you know I'm not necessarily talking just about people that use a product or service that you might be developing it's uh, you know there's there's other merits in for example um, working on small talk because uh, that helps in the trust side of things you know um, if you can develop that sort of side of things as well ask those questions uh, asking about the weather like you did the weather you we talked about the weather today um it made me feel a lot more comfortable so thanks for that <laughs> um i did have quite an embarrassing story to share. <laughs> always helps <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah exactly um and so i think just anyone can do it um yes it takes skill to get to get it right but just asking questions and, and understanding things a bit more can make things better yeah and i guess that is a skill, as you say, that you're going to learn and improve yeah, yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. you might not be perfect at, yeah, and it's at free, first, and know, that's okay. It doesn't cost any money to actually go and ask questions. You, you, you might spend a bit of money, um, you know, if you can't get access to your audience in the, in the right way, you might have to get a you know, recruitment agency to, mm. to, to look for those people. But um, Could you, you even know, start with like just asking like friends and family as well? You could if, if that's appropriate, yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, we've 
whenever when I sort of started out, that's how we might do stuff. You know, if we've got something that somebody would use or could use, um, yeah, just shove it under their nose and sort of say, it's it's like a second opinion um, on stuff sometimes, and that might be just enough to kind of give you that bit more confidence about stuff. You need that critique. The problem with friends and family is they can be a bit more, um, what's the word? Uh, I guess respectful. Yeah. <laughs> Depends what family you are. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they might they might be cautious about offending you, which yeah, yeah. Um, and that's that's another point as well, like to not take offence to it because mm. obviously that's um, you're improving. If you if you've got something you want people to use. Um, you know, if you're going to get so attached to it that you take offence to it, and you won't change it, then you, you know that's that's unlikely to be successful as well because you you it needs to be appropriate for for your audience. Sounds to me, I'd say one of the main things I've taken from this podcast, and I've taken quite a lot because I didn't have much knowledge of user research before this, but is that as a user researcher, you have to be quite irrational and object objective and <laughs> process led and. And not emotional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, there, there is a bit. Yeah, you practice your poker face quite yeah. a bit. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I think that's right. Yeah, it's so. For example, you, you're always te- if if you're doing like a usability test or something like that, there's always that temptation to shout the buttons there. You know what I mean? But you've got to like, you know, because it's it's about how they react to stuff. It's about how how they kind of interpret things and, and that's useful information because then you can kind of take that and, and use it as a um, as insight to kind of develop an idea further or to develop a prototype further or something like that so yeah so yeah you're right it's kind of patience as well then. patience definitely yeah 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 um, bite your tongue kind of thing because <laughs> it's not about your opinion yeah absolutely so uh so yeah thanks so much for coming on where can people find you and your website as well uh, well, how you found me? Twitter is probably the most direct way. So, like at Simon JS on Twitter. Um, I'm very proud of my domain name that I managed to uh, get for quite cheap when Google started selling them. Um, Research dot how. So oh, that's quite that is good. Nice yeah, name, yeah. Isn't it? So um, yeah, so there. That's probably that's got all my links on. Awesome. It's not very not been up, updated for. A while. <laughs> but, yeah. I, I checked it out. It looked good to me. Mm, yeah, well, you go. honestly, it's, it really did. stood the test of time. Though, yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, thanks so much for coming on. Um, thank you for watching or listening, and I do hope you have an amazing rest of your day. <laughs>